you have your Bibles with you, I would have you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And there is a passage uh, here concerning our future. And uh, it is future glory. Romans 8 is one of those passages that is uh, quite remarkable uh, because it expands our horizons with uh, regard to God's work in our lives. It, uh, it's quite wonderful. And also it brings a lot of consolation and encouragement to us. So if you're there at Romans chapter 8, uh, join with me in verse 18. And we will read through verse 30. Hear then the word of the Lord. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. But we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. Those whom He justified, He also glorified. May God then add His blessing to the reading of His holy and precious Word of God. Our verses are going to be verses 28 through 30, 28 through 30, and we read the verses this way, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, those whom He foreknew, He also predestined be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those whom He predestined, He also called. Those whom He called, He also justified. Those whom He justified, He also glorified. Uh, The work of God 
in the life of a believer is quite a remarkable thing. We were in conversation with some friends, and uh, most of them were not Christians. And uh, as we sat around the table, we, we talked about what each other believed. And as I began to listen to some about what they, they believed, some said, well, you know, I, I don't believe that there is a God, and, um, um, and I believe that you just kind of have to live life the best way you know how, and I don't really know that there's anything after death. And then another would say, well, uh, you know, I, I, I believe that there's a God, and I believe that He's, uh, he's good, so... Uh, no matter what, when when I die, I believe that I'm going to I'm going to heaven. And then another would say, "Well, uh, you know, I I believe in re- reincarnation. And if, if I do good, I'll come back as something more superior." And I thought to myself, "I'm I'm glad incarnation is not real reincarnation because I don't know what I would look like." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not real sure I'd like it, <laughs> but uh, I, I listen to all these different uh, different views, and and you know one of the remarkable things about it, uh, I kept hearing, if there is a God, if there is a God, I, and and the idea was, we we don't know, we're we're not sure. And out of all that conversation about what we all believed, what I kept hearing was an uncertainty. We're just, we're just not sure about what death. I found that there was a fear of death. There was a certain fear of death. And they knew that that would bring some changes to their life, but they weren't sure what those changes would be. And I just wanted you to listen to the conversation because that's kind of where our culture is today in many ways. There's a lot of spiritual conversation, but not a lot of expression of certainty. Have you gotten into some of those conversations? They're quite interesting to be a part of. But that uncertainty strikes me in the unbeliever's life. And the one who doesn't walk with the Lord. But on the other side of that coin, isn't it remarkable? The God who saved us and the Lord who called us to Himself. Haven't we been surprised by the remarkableness of the specificness of the salvation that He has brought to us? You know, when I first came to know the Lord, came to know the Lord through faith and put my trust in Him alone for salvation as offered in the Gospel, that, that, was, that was where I was at. And you know, I come to find out something later on, that God had more to do with it than I thought. <laughs> and uh, as I began to grow in the Lord, I began to discover, lo and behold, He had everything to do with it. That my life was completely in His hands to begin with. Even when I did not know Him, 
He held me and watched over me and protected me. That was a story told about the man who gave his testimony before a large crowd. And he got up and talked about how the Lord had called him to himself and what the Lord had done in his life. And he praised the Lord and gave thanks to the Lord. And uh, it was just a great testimony. And at the end of the testimony, at the end of the service and the testimonies, uh, there was a gentleman who came up to him and said, you know, I, I appreciated your testimony about what the Lord's done in your life. He said, and I don't mean to be critical. He said, but I, I didn't hear anything about what you did. And he thought back just a little bit because he had really sought to give glory to Christ. And he thought and he responded and said, well, yes, you know, you're right. I left that out. <laughs> I, I completely forgot to tell you what I contributed to my salvation when Christ called me to himself. And he said, I, I made a mistake. I should have said something about that. He said, well, what I contributed to my salvation in Christ is that I was running from him as hard as I could run as an unbeliever. And he said, I shouldn't have left that out. He said, because that's what I did and that's what I contributed to it. He said, but you know, God pursued me. And he saved me. Not because of anything in me, because I was running as hard as I could away from him. But God, being rich in his mercy, just didn't leave me where I was. He pursued me. I like Francis Thompson's poem, The Hound of Heaven. If you ever get to read that uh, poem, I hope that you enjoy it. The Hound of Heaven, who pursues his children um, until they are brought into the fold. Well, what did you contribute? To your salvation. <laughs> and I knew Nick was going to speak up. And I love it. <laughs> uh, it is true, my friends, isn't it? Um, remarkable. Uh, again, when we're first saved and uh, we, we're not uh, strong Christians, we, uh, we think that we have such a great part uh, in it that we, we believe in God and we trust in Him and it was something we did. But the Scriptures come to reveal to us what? That actually, all along, it was God's work in us completely. If you look at the verses that we have, uh, the verse in verse 28 is a great consolation. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. And that verse has been a consolation to many of us as Christians through the years that it is God who is at work in us, and we know that His promise is in that verse, is that all things work together for good, not that all things are good that come into our life, but we have the promise of God that He will take all those circumstances and all those things that we experience in life, and He will turn them uh, for His glory and our salvation and our good. I think even in our adversity, we should take that to heart. As a matter of fact, I've been drawn closer to the Lord in adversity uh, in this world than, than I have at any other time. And I don't know about you, about, about God's work in our lives, but through broken heart, through, through the pains of, of this world, I've watched God work and He seems to just draw. Uh, nothing is left outside of His hand and, and He uses it to draw us more and more to the likeness of Himself after His Son, Jesus Christ. And that verse is a great consolation. But did you know the next verse 
is quite remarkable. Because what it shows us in verses 29 and 30 about how God accomplishes that. And it's pretty amazing. And where does he begin? Well, he begins from all eternity with regard to God's knowledge of you. This is where it begins. And the Apostle Paul writes and he begins to describe to you God's salvation in your life. And where he begins, I have to tell you, it, long ago in 1967, when the Lord called me to Himself, um, I wasn't looking so much back that far, <laughs> and I wasn't looking so much that far forward. I just knew I was a sinner, <laughs> and that I was saved by faith through grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I tell you what, you know the remarkable thing that God did? Is that He began to show me as a young Christian in the light of His Word, that all along, it wasn't just that moment. That call in the Lord at that moment was just the tip of the iceberg of His work, past and future, in my life and in your life as a Christian. And He began to show me Romans 8, uh, 29 and 30, for whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Now, if you look at this in the light of salvation, um, what is the spectrum of Romans Romans, uh, 8, 28 and 9 and 30? Well, the scope of it is, um, is from eternity to eternity. It is from here to here. And he begins with two past things in our life which belong to God. Uh, Then he centers it with the call in time and space in Jesus Christ, which is the work of God by the work of the Spirit. And then he gives two future things, our justification. And then he ends with uh, glorification, which is the two future things or the things that we have in Christ that are after our call uh, that speak of our life into eternity. So two have to do with the past. Two have to do with the future. And the center of it is call. But notice what it says. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among men brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, I want to ask you a question. What is the principal personal pronoun in each one of those events, past, present, and future? He. Did you, did you catch it? He foreknew. You before the foundation of the world. He predestined you to life. He then in time, in space, called you to himself in the light of that foreknowledge and predestination. And then he also did made you a promise in the future, didn't he? He justified you by faith, which is a judicial action and declaration of, of righteousness before God and deliverance. But then he also what? What's his promise for the future? He also glorified. And I love that that term glorified, 
Do you know that he could have said, uh, you whom he is going to glorify, or you that he is planning to glorify, but you know that the Apostle Paul uses the past tense. He says, those whom he justified, he also glorified. And Apostle Paul is speaking to you in that way about your future as if the event has already occurred. How is it that the Apostle Paul can say to you that those whom he justified, he also glorified? Past tense. Well, I tell you how I can only come up with one conclusion. It is because of God's sovereign work in the life of the believer from the beginning. And he who began a good work in you will perfect it unto the day of the Lord. That is the promise of the Lord. And what a great consolation we have to know that it is God who is at work in the believer in our lives from beginning to end to His glory. Isn't, isn't it a magnificent thing to, to grasp? And so just think, when we came to Christ and um, He called us to Himself and, and we became Christians, uh, we, we, we didn't realize the full scope of, of God's work. That uh, when He called us in time and space... Uh, that we didn't realize that uh, we were in the mind and heart of God long ago in eternity. Those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. And God's foreknowledge of you is, is not a simple matter. Uh, it, it is a, a very key matter for the life of the believer. And a lot of people mistake foreknowledge, uh, that God knows foreknowledge, beforehand knowledge. He's omniscient. He knows. He knows you through and through, the one who made you. And a lot of people took um, that doctrine of foreknowledge and they said, well, you see, since God foreknew, he, he foresaw, he looked down the way and he saw that by faith I would accept him and so therefore he predestined me. What is the fallacy of that? The fallacy of that is that it takes away from the hand of God uh, that the Lord, He couldn't do anything about it, but He just saw it. Foreknowledge. He's looking down the pike and there's old Lonnie sitting in the back row of Northside Church. <laughs> and, uh, and, and there he, and boy, he sees that Lonnie's going to have faith. And, and because he sees that Lonnie has faith and asks the Lord to come into his heart, he's going to predestine him. And I have to tell you that the fallacy of that uh, is the fallacy that is common in the world today. Man still wants to live a remnant of the action of God's salvation in their life to themselves. Oh, poor God. He was over there in his foreknowledge and he could see down the pipe, but lo and behold, he couldn't do a thing about it. <laughs> is that the God that you know in Scripture? That's not the God I know in my salvation and that's not what Scripture says. Because if you say that your salvation depends upon the act of faith that you produce, my dear friends, what you are saying, that, that salvation originates in what man does by the act of faith. And I want to say to you that that is not the case. That, what that does is deify faith. Just have faith. <laughs> Just have faith, and if you have faith, you'll be saved. Well, no, the, my Bible doesn't say that. It says we're saved by faith 
through faith. But faith is of God, and it is a gift of God, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So the fallacy of a certain view of salvation uh, is that God's foreknowledge uh, is really limited. And uh, they put God in a box in their theology, and they give man the glory for salvation. But I tell you what, I'm glad that salvation doesn't depend upon me, aren't you? I'm glad that I'm not the one that produced faith in me. I'm glad that it is the Lord who produced saving faith in me. Because, dear friends, if it was up to me, just as much as I produced faith in my life, I guarantee you by next week I would unproduce it in my life. I'm that fickle. (laughs) I'm just that way in my sin. So I'm glad that faith is not of me. But I'm glad that faith and repentance to the Lord Jesus Christ is a gift from Him and that my salvation is from Him beginning to end. You know, what foreknowledge means is that God, you were in His heart and mine from the beginning. That your salvation originates with His love for you from all eternity. Isn't that amazing? That's hard to comprehend that God loved us from the beginning and had us in mind. And so therefore, since uh, we are in the mind and heart of God and we had that special place and He claimed us for His own, He predestined us. That is, predestined is two words, pre and destiny. That is, we, the Lord has ordained our life. And our salvation. Now, a lot of people don't like that uh, because they like to be in control. But I tell you what, in this day and time in which men and women and boys and girls enjoy being independent to themselves, I am so glad that my hand, my life is in the hands of God who has it planned out already. Who it, All things are in His hand. And listen, I, I, I mess it up every week enough <laughs> with, with, without... If I didn't have the knowledge of God at work in us, wouldn't it be a terrible Christian life? If you didn't know that it was God at work in your life, if you didn't have that to hold on to, listen, my friends, I would mess it up day after day after day after day. And my consolation, it is that uh, He who began a good work in you, He won't let you go. And I've tried so hard at times to run from the Lord to do it my own way. And listen, the Lord will not let His children go that path because He foreknew them. And I love the little word that comes in there. Uh, Speaking of Israel, the beautiful example of it is that uh, uh, Israel, um, I I have known you from all generations and chosen you, given you have been given to me throughout the, the nations. And, um, and I like the change of the word in the New International Version, which says, and, and I chose you, I chose you uh, before all the nations and, and given you life and have loved you. And uh, the church is the same way. It is the Lord who has, uh, who has chosen you. And it is, it, it is not we who choose the Lord, but it is... What? 
the Lord who has chosen us. And that speaks of Scripture directly and the Lord from the Lord's Word. And then, of course, predestination. Um, people have some difficulty with that, that uh, our life and the outworking of our salvation is in the hands of God completely. But uh, actually, I can't think of any other hands I would prefer to be in in terms of uh, the ordaining power of God. I'm certainly glad, again, that uh, the focus and purpose and dimensions of our life are not in our own hands to perform. You see, that's a part of rebellion against God when man declares his independence of God. That's why many can't accept God's work in the life of his people because they see it as giving up their independence they give up a little bit of themselves. We, we can't be doing that, you know. We can't give God all the glory. Come on now. <laughs> We've got to keep a little bit for ourselves. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I say to you by the word of the Lord, no. Those, those whom He foreknew, He also predestined. He determined your life before Him. And I, I find a great comfort in that, don't you? Don't you find a great comfort that... It's all not just willy-nilly and chance that our life is, that we're on a path. Dear friends, in Jesus Christ, you and I are on a path from beginning to end with His hand at work in us. And then, of course, calling. Many misunderstand calling today. Uh, there, there are two senses in which you can speak of calling. There can be um, an outward call, a general call, in which we are called to preach the gospel to all people. And that calling uh, goes out, and we are responsible to preach the gospel, aren't we? And to issue forth the call. But um, we have an obligation to do that as the church, to issue the call of the gospel to the world to come to Christ. But does that, is, is the general call effective? Is, is the general call, does it mean that just because there's a general call that everyone will be saved? No, no, it, it doesn't mean that. But there is a thing that we believe called effectual calling, which is a different kind of calling, and it's an inward call. It's not the outward presentation of the gospel, but it's the inward work of God in our hearts where he effectually calls us. Uh, the beautiful example that, I, that we have of that in Scripture is Lazarus. Uh, my dear friends, I could have gone to Bethany that day, and I could have stood before that tomb in which Lazarus had been in for four days, and I could have said, now, Lazarus, come on out. We want your fellowship again. Come out of that tomb. Lazarus. Now, it's time to quit sleeping. You Come on out. And, and I wonder what effect that would have had if Lonnie had been there. But I tell you what, you replace Lonnie with Jesus, the Son of God. And Jesus, the Son of God, knows Lazarus as his own. And dear friends, listen to what happens. Jesus stands outside of the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. You know, in the deadness of his life in that grave, he hears the voice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and comes to life. Now, dear friends, if that doesn't Amaze you, it should. Because I can't think of any other one to call people to life than Jesus, who calls the dead 
to come to life. And Paul writes it in the same way. You know Ephesians 2, don't you? For once you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in mercy, made He made you alive together with Christ. He seated you with Him in the heavens. And isn't that beautiful? I love not only the present of bringing us to life, the spiritual reality inwardly of the Spirit at work, bringing us to life in Christ. But also, he comes to the end of that and he says, by the way, not only did he bring you to life, but he seated you in the heavenlies. (laughs) You're already glorified. And he seated you in the heavenlies with him. So, my dear friends, our life is already hidden with Christ in the heavenlies. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom He justified, what? Past tense. He glorified. Paul can say that. Because in Christ, that is the surety we have of our salvation, who is all in all. The reason that so many struggle with assurance is because they still leave that remnant of human factor in salvation. And it's sad. Because, dear friends, any time you leave a human factor in the accomplishment of your salvation, there's always going to be that little room of doubt. There's going to be that little... Have you ever done something and then as a human being doubted it and said, well, you know, and my dear friends, that's not true of salvation in Christ. When you leave it in Christ's hands, the one who redeemed you by His grace, and you see the beauty of the scope of His salvation in you, you rejoice, don't you? Things are not left to the evolutionary process. Things are not left uh, to to just chance. Um, we know that in it, the teaching is that God is the God of our circumstances. That there's nothing, nothing in our life hidden from His sight, and there is no circumstance that you will ever face. It may be hard, and it may hurt, and it may be deep, but there is no circumstance that God will not take, and He will use it for the purpose of redeeming you and keeping His Word from beginning to end. Those whom God foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And isn't that His work in your life now? His work is that He called you and then after he calls you in time and space at a certain time he justifies you and justification is the judicial act of God where he declares a sinner righteous through the merits of Christ and through the finished work of Christ and the the righteousness of Christ becomes becomes your record he who knew no sin became sin for us he he took our sin on himself. And guess what? Man, I, the only thing I gave to the Lord in my salvation was my sin. My sin. And he took it and paid the price for me in time and space. And guess what? When God the Father made his declaration with regard to you and I who are in Christ, guess what He declared when He was passing His judgment upon you as a Christian? Jesus Christ comes into the center 
as mediator. And what the Father sees is the righteousness of His Son. And He says, oh, Father, listen, uh, this is one of my children <laughs> that You gave me. John 17, this is one of my children that You gave me before the foundation of the world. And the Father says, oh, yes, I see that righteousness. <laughs> I, I, oh, I see that. That's That's beautiful. <laughs> he sees the righteousness of Christ in you. And it's not what Lonnie has done. It's not what you've done. But aren't you amazed at what God has done? And what He's going to do? Who do you belong to this morning? Are you going to get in one of those conversations about what's going to happen when we die? I don't know. I just think I just think that when you die, there's just nothing. I think you just cease to exist. Well, you know, no, no. I've got great hope. I believe I'm gonna go to Chapel Hill and I'm gonna be in one of those cryogenic situations. And I'm gonna get one of them put in a metal tube and I'm gonna have them freeze me because I, you know we might have hope coming back. You know, and uh, man, I don't know what a frozen Lonnie would look like in the future. <laughs> that don't look too good either, does it? <laughs> Oh, oh no. Uh, well, you know, uh, man, um, you know, man, John got killed in that motorcycle accident and it just killed him. Man, I, I just don't know. Life is so short. I guess we better eat, drink, and be married today because we're just not going to live tomorrow. Have you heard any stories kind of like that around in the world today? Jesus Christ has never left you with that uncertainty. Ever. Appreciate that as a believer. What God has given you. He's given you the story from the beginning to the end. Now we don't have all the particulars, do we? But the Bible is not to suit our particular imagination and our hunger for information. But the Bible is given to us for assurance in Jesus Christ. And assurance is what the true believer has as they walk with the Lord Jesus Christ from day to day, no matter what comes, no matter what. How beautiful it is to know the Lord. How beautiful the fact that, first of all, before we knew Him, He knew us. And it was not so much my love for Him, but guess what? We love because He first loved us. You were in the mind and heart of God. In the future, the future, Christ has already established for you. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. How incredible. Lord, sometimes our God is so small. Lord, way back there when you called, us to Yourself. Lord, how, how little we realized Your hand in, in our lives. Lord, we thought we were in control. But Lord, we have come to know better. We have come to know that it is He who is at work in us to both will and to do His good pleasure. Lord, thank You for that. Thank You for giving us the assurance that we didn't have. 
that we can proclaim the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints and know that we can speak of it with surety because of the Word of God and because of the work of Christ and the work of God in our life. The Father in whose mind we were from the beginning who predestined us. The Son who came into this world and gave His life paid the price that we could not pay. And then in the work of the Spirit, He took that redemption and applied it in time and space to our heart and called us to Himself. Father, we thank You that in that call we were regenerated. We were justified. We were adopted. Lord, in that uh, we have begun a life of sanctification, which is His work also in us. Father, we long for that uh, accomplishment of future things, of the glory of the future. And we see it here in Romans 8. And help us to rest in You and look to You for all things. Help us not to have restless hearts to seek something in us to make salvation work. But help us to know that uh, our God has already worked out the details. Thank you for your goodness and your salvation in our life through Christ, in whose name we pray.